Good morning. morning. We're going to look this morning at just what your body is capable of doing. Now, a number of us have followed uh, different sports, or maybe you've, you've watched the Olympics, and I think we can see the human body is capable of doing some amazing things. Now, I looked up a few people on the Internet this past week, this first person we have on the screen is a man named Wilson Kipsang. He's from Kenya. He holds a world record for running marathons. Now, a marathon, does anyone know how many miles a marathon is? 26 miles. 26 miles. This man, Wilson Kipsang, uh, was able to run the Berlin Marathon in two hours and three minutes. Now, that's fast. That's so fast, this man is running faster than a five-minute mile for over two hours. This next person on the screen is an Olympic weightlifter. This man is Hossein Razadeh from Iran. And in 2004, he set a world record in weightlifting at the Athens Olympics. In this picture, he's lifting a little over 580 pounds over his head. That's very heavy. That's over a quarter of a ton. And this last person, this is a martial artist, Bruce Lee. (laughs) Yes. Now, Bruce Lee, besides doing uh, martial arts, he was capable of some, a number of feats people would consider unbelievable unless they were videotaped or documented. But Bruce Lee, he could not just do one-hand push-ups. He would do push-ups on two fingers. In fact, um, if you threw a handful of rice into the air, Bruce Lee was able to use a pair of chopsticks to grab a single rice grain in midair. We see the human body is capable of some amazing things. Now, of course, it goes without saying that uh, these people I just mentioned, they spent many years in training, many years in exercise to get to those abilities. But as impressive as that all may sound, we're going to look at a different body today. Which is still your body. We're going to look at the body of Christ, which if you're a believer and you're saved today, this is also your body. We're going to look this morning at how you fit into that body, what your role and function is, and how you can help that body reach its full potential. So what is the body of Christ? When we see that term in the the Bible, it doesn't refer to Jesus' literal physical body that was resurrected from the grave. We see the word body of, we see those three words body of Christ come up a lot It refers to the church, all the believers who are here today. In 1 Corinthians 12.27, we see, Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And to get a little more detailed into the anatomy of the body of Christ, I'm just going to look at the passage in Ephesians chapter 4. This is uh, verses 7 through 16. 
But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now, this he ascended, what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness by which they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is ahead, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. As believers, we are the body of Christ. And as is mentioned in verse 15, Christ is the head of that body who gives commands to every part of the body. And we are what's called the members, we're the body parts. Now, being a physical therapist, I work with the human body every day. Jake, if you put that diagram up there of the three persons running. Now, the human body is, is it's an incredibly complex machine. Just wondering, anyone want to, t- want to take a guess? How many muscles do you think are in your body? Daniel? Very good. But you took anatomy this past year, so that's, that's how you know that one. Yes. There are over 600 muscles in your body, and there are over 200 bones that are your support, that are your support structure. And now I'm not even going to get into how many nerves there are, which are really like your, your wiring system that helps um, all your commands go from your brain to the rest of your body. There's a lot. And as many, I mean, there are so many body parts, yet the amazing thing is all the body parts have their own unique function. There are actually no useless parts of your body. Now, at one point, people thought the appendix was a useless part that you could just have taken out, no problem. But uh, there's even some debate now. Some scientists are thinking, well, actually, the appendix looks like it has some function in your immune system. And we, as believers, being body parts of the body of Christ, we each have our own function. In Romans chapter 12, verse 4, it stated, For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Maybe one of us corresponds to being a finger in the body of Christ. Maybe another person a foot. Maybe another person an eye or an ear. 
Each of us has our own unique role. We are designed by the Lord to perform in the body of Christ. And just like the human body, I can say that there's no part that is not needed. All parts are essential. If I was saying that um, there's someone that we don't need in the church, it'd be like saying, well, I don't need my index finger, or I don't need my foot, I don't need my stomach. Now, it's true, perhaps you could try to live your life out without your index finger or your foot, or perhaps people can live without a stomach, but life is a lot harder. So what determines what is my role in the body of Christ? How do I know whether I am a finger, an ear, an arm, a knee joint in the body of Christ? The answer lies in what is your spiritual gift? Going back to that passage in Ephesians 4, in verse 7 it says, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. And it says later in the passage, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. When you got saved, God gave you a unique ability, a unique power to use for his glory. Everyone has at least one. No one was left out. Because it says right in that passage, but to each one of us, grace, referring to those gifts, grace was given to each one of us. And the reason these gifts were given, we see in verse 12, is the gifts were given for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. These gifts were given so that I would be equipped to do work for the church so that it could be edified. Edifying meaning to build up, to grow. I was given a gift for the growth of the church. And spiritual gifts, we also see later in that passage, they're like the glue that holds the body of Christ, that holds the church together. We see in verse 16 that um, according to the working, every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. So that phrase, what every joint supplies, every joint is every believer exercising their spiritual gift. And looking at verse 16, we see that if every part does its share, it should cause the growth of the church. It should cause the edifying of the body. Now, the Bible says, like, like I mentioned, every believer has been given a spiritual gift, whether you're young or old. So whether you were saved at 10 years old or whether you were saved at 70 years old, you have a spiritual gift or more than one. And just to clarify too, by talking about spiritual gifts, 
I'm not talking about natural talents you might have. It's true, a number of us in the church may have been blessed with having musical talents, with perhaps having a high IQ, with athletic abilities, or just being very crafty with our hands, being good with our hands. And those are all certainly blessings from the Lord, and they can certainly be used up by the Lord, but they're not spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are found in several passages in the Bible. We see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's a number of gifts here. The word of wisdom through the Spirit. The word of knowledge through the same Spirit. Faith. Gifts of healings. Working of miracles. Prophecy. Discerning of spirits. Different kinds of tongues. Interpretation of tongues. In Romans 12, we see another list. We see gifts of ministry, teaching, exhortation, giving, leading, mercy. And of course, that passage in Ephesians 4 I mentioned. Apostleship, prophecy, evangelism, pastoring, teaching. Now, unfortunately, we don't have time to go over each of these gifts in detail. There's, there's many, as you can see. But if you do have any questions about them afterwards, feel free to ask all the elders and deacons about, more about them, if you're curious about them. Now, when I first saw a list like this, um, when I was a really young believer, I, I had the tendency to think of some gifts as superior to others. I thought... Oh, wouldn't it be cool to have the gift of evangelism and be able to just share the gospel right and left and see people saved right and left? Wouldn't it be cool to have the gift of teaching and just be able to explain the word of God just so easily, just like that, and people would just understand it instantly? But the fact is, whatever gift you have, whatever it is, it's essential, it's needed, it's powerful if used properly. Now take one of our examples from the beginning, that Olympic weightlifter. In the human body, we see there are some bodily functions that may not be as glamorous or visible as other body functions, but yet they're still needed. So the Olympic weightlifter, that guy from Iran, you know, I don't think anyone would dispute, he had a huge biceps muscle. And you know, people would look with admiration, wow, that guy has bulging muscles. And certainly, his bicep muscle deserves a lot of credit for him lifting that huge weight overhead. At the same time, though, he had to have other parts of his body working in order to get that point. He had to have a really good working digestive system to get in all that protein for his body to generate that kind of muscle tissue. Now, the digestive system doesn't get a lot of credit in that picture, but it was essential all the same. Now, for even relatively simple motions in the body, it's incredible how much coordination, how many parts of the body are needed. Now, one of my exercise instructors really went through with me. He broke down what is needed in doing a proper punch. So just two simple punches. How many parts of the body are required? Now, a few things are obvious. Well, of course, you have to use your knuckles. You have to be able to have a good grip to make a fist. You have to use your triceps muscle to help push. You have to have a strong wrist so your fist doesn't collapse. 
you have to have good shoulder. But then there's other things that uh, were less obvious to me after, before someone explained it to me. Uh, anyone will tell you who's into boxing or who's a professional boxer, actually a lot of your force doesn't come from your arm. A lot of your force should actually be generated below. Your hip muscle needs to be strong in order to throw a good punch. There has to be a lot of rotation. Not just that, but you have to be pushing off your foot also the very last minute to step through. And I'm not even going into all the nerves and all the tendons, all the ligaments that are needed in this process either. And going back to the body of Christ, for the, for the believers, for the church to be functioning properly, all the believers need to be doing their necessary functions, need to be using their spiritual gifts. In fact, the Bible says that if one believer is injured or suffering, the rest of the body of Christ is affected. In 1 Corinthians 12:26, we see, and if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. If one believer suffers, the rest of the church suffers. If one of you is suffering, I am suffering. Now, I see this in the physical body all the time when I'm working with people. When I see one person get an injured joint, it affects the rest of their body. I'll give you an example. Say I'm treating a patient with arthritis in their knee, or they've, or they've sprained their knee. Well, okay, my, my, suddenly my left knee is out of commission. I'm limping along. But to compensate for my left knee being bad, I lean more to my right and start using my right knee more. What happens, though, especially over a long period of time, the right knee also begins to wear out. And as I'm leaning more and more to the right, my hip joint also begins to wear out. As I'm limping along, my posture gets affected. I start having back pain. Okay, well, okay, my legs are bad, so I will try using something to help me out. So I'll start using a walker or crutches. But then, because I'm putting all my weight on my hands now, suddenly I'm getting carpal tunnel. My hands are affected, my wrists are affected, my shoulders get affected by having crutches under my shoulders all the time. Sad thing is, a lot of times we don't appreciate a part of our body until something goes wrong. Now, take my example of the marathon runner in, the first, in my introduction. So a marathon runner, of course, he has to have uh, good knees, good hips, good strong quad muscles. But how many people here think of their toenails on a regular basis? And I don't mean painting your toenails. I just mean your toenails just working properly. We don't think of them. They're just there. But if that Olympic marathon runner suddenly got an ingrown toenail, he's not running any marathons. He's going to be limping along, just struggling to get, to get to where he has to walk to. He's not going to be able to run. If you're a believer here today, I can tell you, 
I need your spiritual gift. I need it like I need every part of my own body functioning. Now, sometimes we can be tempted to think, well, you know, I can let someone else use their spiritual gift. I can let someone else do the evangelizing. I can let someone else do the teaching or leading devotionals or helping. There'll be other people. But the fact is, if I'm not using my spiritual gift to its capacity, that means other people are compensating for my not doing things. Other parts of the body of Christ, other people, other believers, might get worn out because I'm not doing what I can be. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, I don't know what my spiritual gift is. How do I find out? Well, it's just like if you've received a gift for Christmas or for your birthday. Now, most people receive gifts that are wrapped up. But, you know, just with a little work with my pen knife, a little work with some scissors, and I have the gift unwrapped, and I can see it for what it is. And with spiritual gifts, there's also an unwrapping process to find out what it is. And it can take a little time, a little effort. And certainly, if I want to know what my spiritual gift is, I should be praying about it, asking the Lord, Lord, what is it? I need to be having a healthy walk with the Lord. I need to be free of sin in my life. If I want that gift to be manifested, to be opened. But besides that, I need to actually start doing something. Now, my spiritual gift is not just going to reveal itself. I need to actually do something about it. It may start with something as simple as me asking is there something I can do to help here in the church? There's actually a lot of work to be done in the church. And I don't mean by work done in the church, maintaining the building or the grounds. I mean work with people. There's always people that will need to be encouraged, helped, prayed for. If you don't believe me, you can ask the elders. There are always people with needs. If you want some help in identifying your spiritual gift or getting trained in the use of it, ask one of the elders here or deacons how they can help you. They can hook you up. It may be you might be asked to do something that might be a little out of your comfort zone. Now, I can remember, I think it was just the second year I was saved, I was asked to um, teach some two- to five-year-olds. And that might not sound very intimidating to some people, but for me, that was terrifying. <laughs> I remember having like seven or eight two- to five-year-olds, I was looking down at them, and I'm thinking, what do I do with these kids? <laughs> and um, I, I'm a very second class. I'm going to let this girl remain nameless just to preserve her. Uh, so, keep her from any embarrassment. But in my second class, there was one girl, she was told, okay, you're going to be with Mr. Long for the next hour. Be good. And then she looked up at me and just burst out crying. (laughs) And I'm thinking, oh man, now what do I do? Mm. Mm. 
Now, maybe you're on the quiet and shy side, you know, trying to speak in front of other people. It's hard for you. Or trying to get to know people. It's difficult. The fact is, though, you won't get to know your spiritual gift unless you try things. The important thing is that you try. And you may have to try several times. Because I'm sure some of you have been into sports in the past. Perhaps you've been into golf. Perhaps you've been into softball. Perhaps into tennis. Now, I'm betting a lot of you probably did not hit the ball on the first time. But then with practice, with repeatedly trying to hit the ball, you were able to hit it, and not just hit it, but able to hit with more force and more accuracy. And pretty soon you were having fun. And that's the way it is with our spiritual gifts, too. I think we'd see a number of people may have been gifted in preaching, but I don't think they preached a world-class sermon on the first time. The important thing is you try. You are a part of the body of Christ. The fact is, just like those physical motions I mentioned in sports, it's going to take time for you to get strength and coordinated in the use of your spiritual gift. And it could be you may have to experiment a little, try it in different environments with different people. It's true, someone may have the gift of teaching. But maybe they have the gift of teaching, especially with kids rather than older people. Or maybe someone is really good at exhorting and encouraging other people, but maybe they're better at exhorting people who are older. And you'll know from the effect you have when you try exercising it what gift you have, because you're going to see results. A person with the gift of evangelism should see people saved. A person with a gift of exhortation will see people encouraged, spurred on, desiring to do things for the Lord. A person with a gift of helps will not only be helping people, but they'll be especially discerning in seeing how people need help. Another really important thing in discovering your spiritual gift Get to know people. Get to know the body of Christ. When you think back to your physical body, you actually know your physical body pretty well. We all know like where certain landmarks are in our bodies. We know where a mole is or where a birthmark is. We know like if one of our joints is not so good. Like I injured my knee about uh, a little over a year ago, my left knee. And because of that, I know my left knee is always just a little less reliable than my right knee. I'm a a little careful with how I use it sometimes. We all know how perhaps one of our joints pops, or how our knuckle cracks, or how our back makes a little cracking noise if we stretch in a certain way. We know the timing of our bodies. We know when we're going to get hungry. We know when we're going to get tired. In fact, there's there's an expression. If we know something really well, we say, I know that like the back of my hand. And it's really very healthy to to know your own body well. Because if there's something different about your body, perhaps you can tell if there's something wrong. Maybe if there's a new odd mole or a lump, well, you might want to get that checked out. Perhaps that's something cancerous. 
or perhaps if there's some new pain you're having, you might want to get an x-ray or MRI to make sure there's nothing odd going on in one of your joints. But as a believer, let me ask myself, how well do I know my spiritual body? How well do I know the body of Christ? How well do I know the body here at Calvary Bible Chapel? Do I know everyone here at Calvary Bible Chapel? Because if I don't, I really need to do something about it. If I don't know someone here, it's like I don't know one of my own body parts. Now, in the physical world, I see what happens when people don't know when one part of their body exists. There's times where I see someone might have a stroke or something else that affects their brain, and they've suddenly lost awareness that perhaps their left foot or their left hand exists. They've lost all sensation, all feeling there. And what happens is these people get into all kinds of injuries because a person with a stroke, they don't realize perhaps that um, something very hot is landing on their hand. It may, it may burn them. They would have no idea. Or they might trip over their own foot not knowing where it is. Well, some terrible things happen when we're, when, we're, when we're not aware of our own bodies. Now, knowing my body, the body of Christ, it's really important to spiritual gifts. As I mentioned, spiritual gifts are all very powerful. They're all extremely useful. They're all not just very useful. They're all essential. They're all needed. But they, don't, they do not work very well on their own. They don't work well separately. For me to use my gift to its full potential, it really helps for me to know the people in the church well. Say I have the gift of helps. But how can I use the gift of helps if I don't know who needs help or how they need help? How can I use the gift of ministry if I don't know who needs ministering to? Maybe I do have the gift of teaching, but it would really help my teaching if I knew the background of the people I was teaching to and see what would connect best with them. And something like the gift of evangelism. Even though it's directed towards unsaved people, it needs a lot of teamwork. It's very rare, I think, that um, an evangelist works totally by themselves. They're usually working with other people and bringing a soul to salvation. My spiritual gift should also merge just as I'm doing things that I'm supposed to for my brothers and sisters. When you look at a lot of the spiritual gifts, the activities you're involved in, as believers, we should be doing a lot of these things anyway. In Hebrews 3.13, we are told to exhort one another daily. Now, this verse is, is given to all believers. It's not just given to people with a gift of exhortation. In 2 Corinthians 5.7, we're told to walk by faith, not by sight. And this is regardless of whether you have the gift of faith or not. And Mark 16.15, we see the Great Commission, go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's given to every believer, whether or not you have the gift of evangelism. 
But just in doing many of the things the Lord commanded us to do, our spiritual gifts will likely emerge. Now, I just want to let people know, too, don't be afraid of this process of discovering your spiritual gift. Really, if a spiritual gift was like a literal gift placed in front of you, like at Christmas or on your birthday, I could tell you, you'd be very excited to open it. Now, sometimes we get very excited when we see that a gift is from a very special person. Like, we have the little um, note, like, to Michael from so-and-so. But the from caption on this gift would say, from God, from the all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving creator of the universe. The fact is, this is a personalized gift. This is not just something that came off a factory or assembly line that was given to you at random. You know, sometimes, you know, gift giving is really a, a, a skill. I don't know if any of you have gone through this, but sometimes at Christmas I'm thinking, oh, what do I get this person? I mean, can they use this? Will they like this? Hmm. The thing is, the Lord knows us thoroughly. He knows what we can do. He knows our full character. He knows us through and through. And the gift that he's given you is a perfect fit for whoever you are. And once you've discovered your gift, there's a certain way you should use it. It should be used in a way that glorifies God. We see in 1 Peter 4.11, speaking of ministering to one another in such a way that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. This verse talks about ministering to one another with your gift. To glorify God, it means to make him visible. When I'm using my gift, it shouldn't be in such a way that I'm trying to show off how great I am or show off my abilities. I should be using my gift for other people, for their sake, to help them out, to edify the church. It should be in a way that reveals the power of God working through me. I just realized this past week, you know, spiritual gifts, they don't necessarily correspond to our natural personalities or character. Now, we might think, looking at someone who's outgoing and very talkative, well, we think, well, that person must have the gift of evangelism. Or perhaps we see someone who's a leader at work, who really is a take-charge person, who's really very good at um, the ministry of stuff in the workplace. And we think, well, that person must have the gift of leading. But that's not necessarily the case. I think the Lord is more glorified, really, when a gift we have might run totally contrary to what's natural for us. Now, do you think a shy person could be an evangelist? What do you think? Actually, I looked at a couple people in history, and some really shy people that you would not think naturally should be evangelists were, did some amazing things in spreading the gospel. I looked at our clown, Billy Graham, which I don't think anyone could deny. He's done a lot in spreading the gospel in America. Yet, at a newspaper article I read online, he was described as a shy kid. Someone like William Carey, who was a father of modern missions, 
who was key in spreading the gospel in India, one biography I looked at described him as a shy shoemaker. So just because you're shy or timid, you can't discount what gift you have. I'm going to go over a little sad scenario. I pray it never happened to us. But what would happen if I never used my spiritual gift? That'd be a really sad thing. Go back to that uh, picture I gave you, like if you received a gift for Christmas or for your birthday. It'd be like if someone gave me a great gift for my birthday and I turned it away and left it unopened. And, you know, just seeing something like that happen, you would think, what a waste. Not to mention, it'd be a real slap in the face to the friend that gave you the gift. And there's also a fact, too, that whatever my gift is, I know it's good for edifying the saints. By not using my gift, I'm really, I'm really withholding something good. In fact, something that the rest of the body of Christ needs. If I really love the Lord, if I really love my brothers and sisters in Christ, I owe it to them to discover and use my gift, whatever it is. The fact is, too, in the future, the Lord is going to hold us accountable for how we've used our gift or how we haven't used it. It said in 2 Corinthians, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And 1 Peter 4.10, referring to the gifts And that we're referred to as being stewards of these gifts, stewards of the manifold grace of God. The spiritual gift you've been given is something very precious. And in times to come, the Lord will ask you, what have you done with the gift I gave you? So for all of us here today, if you don't know it, I would challenge you to discover what is your spiritual gift. And there's a couple ways to do this. One, I'll challenge you to get to know people here. Exercise hospitality. It's true. We do have the fellowship potlucks twice a year. We have those uh, picnics and barbecues out in the park, but that's not enough. I really, you know, I, I really need to confess my own faults here. There's a lot of people in this room I need to get to know better. I need to get to know my own body better, my own body in Christ. And maybe some of you don't have the, have the resources to exercise hospitality. But I'd still challenge you. Try and get to talk to someone for at least 10 minutes that you've never talked to here before. Get to know them. Get to know your own body. They're part of your family after all. And I could t- just uh, encourage you to, it's not always easy. Now you can ask any of the elders here. For a number of years, I was a very timid, shy, awkward person at the chapel. I need, to get to, I need to get to know people here, though. Number two, offer yourself up for service to the Lord. When you pray to the Lord, ask him, 
Lord, what can I do for you? And go to the elders and deacons. Ask them, is there anything I can do to help around here? And I know a number of people here already know what their spiritual gifts are. And I see a number of people here are helping a lot and ministering to other people a lot. But don't, stop, don't let it stop there. The fact is, even if you know what your spiritual gift is, you can't say you've ever got too good at using it. You will never say, I've mastered using my spiritual gift. It's going to be a lifelong process learning to know what your gift is and how to use it. And there's so many ways to use your gift. Whatever it is, you can't possibly exhaust it. Now, look at my own mom. I'm pretty sure my mom has a gift of exhortation. Now, in the past, I used to think of exhortation as something where you come alongside, come alongside somebody and speak with them and share something with them, encourage them. And that's true. It often is used that way. But it never occurred to me until I saw my mom do it that you can also use it in written form. My mom has a gift for sending out letters to people. And I realized, oh, that's a gift of exhortation too, just in written form. Now, at the beginning, I said we would look at what our body should be able to do. Now, I looked back in Acts this week, and when you look at the church in full health, with all the members of the body using their gifts and being in full fellowship with one another, we see the Acts, we see the church in the early days of Acts, it was doing incredible things. The body of Christ was functioning at an incredible level. And, you know, as unbelievers in Acts put it, the body of Christ in those days was turning the world upside down. And there's nothing to say that can't be the case now if we're all functioning as members of the, of the body. I can tell you to every believer here, I need your gift. And you need my gift. We all need each other's gifts. I need everyone here like I need every part of my own body. If I said I didn't need any of you here, I'd be saying something like, I don't need to go through life with my own hands or feet. No, I need all of you and your gifts. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the gifts you have given us. Thank you, Lord, for your great salvation and your love for us. And we, Lord, we do pray in our, our body here at Calvary that you would, um, Lord, guide us in exercising those gifts, how to discover them, use them if we don't know them. And Lord, we pray, Lord, that this body would glorify you. We do pray this in Jesus' name.